Welcome to Daily Defining Moments. This is Pastor Allen, and I'm so glad you're with me. Our goal each day is to help you open your Bible and connect with Jesus. Remember, before I begin my day, God has something to say. We're reading through the New Testament portion of the one-year Bible in the New Living Translation. Today is August 11th, and our reading comes from 1 Corinthians chapter 7. And in this passage today, Paul is going to address two really big topics. The first is sex and marriage. Beginning in verse 1, he says, yes, it's good to abstain from sexual relations, but because there's so much sexual immorality, each man should have his own wife, and each woman should have her own husband. The husband should fulfill his wife's sexual needs, and the wife should fulfill her husband's needs. The wife gives authority over her body to her husband, and the husband gives authority over his body to his wife. Do not deprive each other of sexual relations unless you both agree to refrain from sexual intimacy for a limited time so you can give yourself more completely to prayer. But afterwards, come together again so that Satan won't be able to tempt you because of your lack of self-control. The first thing that Paul is addressing here is we were all created as sexual beings. And we live in a culture where we experience a lot of sexual temptation. So Paul says, for most of us, that means marriage is a good idea. Because God created sex to strengthen and enhance that marriage union, to create oneness, to create intimacy, to strengthen that relationship. And sometimes for young married couples, you know, through the years, Tina and I have counseled a lot of couples, and and one of the primary issues they have is developing a healthy sex life. And sometimes couples think, you know, if our sex life isn't good, we ought to, maybe we should try porn, or maybe we need to figure out a new technique. And the truth is, porn's a complete disaster. It'll actually destroy your sex life, and a new technique is not going to fix things. Here's the key to a healthy sex life. It's a thriving, healthy relationship. So if you would say about your sex life, it's not what I want it to be, then the thing you need to ask is, is there anything in our relationship that we need to work on that would strengthen our intimacy? And then often we can go another layer down. We can ask, is there anything going on in our hearts that's affecting our relationship. So as I strengthen my relationship with Tina, then it naturally strengthens our sex life. So Paul is trying to encourage us to build strong relationships, to develop a healthy sex life in order to protect us from temptation. And let me say a couple other things real quick. Sex should never be used as a weapon to control, to manipulate, to attack, to hurt our spouse. Secondly, sex should never be idolized. And even in the context of marriage, if we're not careful, we're trying to get sex to do for us what only Jesus can do. Sex is good, but it ain't that good. So we got to be real careful that we understand the place of sex in our life and in our marriage. Then he goes on to talk about the permanence of marriage. And let me just say, your marriage is your greatest gift to your children. In Malachi chapter 2, verse 15, Paul says God intends marriage to produce godly offspring. And so when Tina and I are building a great marriage, we're also training and discipling and empowering our kids to have healthy relationships. 
so important. And then he says, if you come to Christ and your spouse is an unbeliever, don't put out your unbelieving spouse, that your love and service of your spouse is the very thing that's going to allow them to experience Jesus through you. It's the very thing that will win their heart. You're the key to your whole family coming to Jesus. Now, the next thing Paul is going to address is slavery. Now, I want to read verse 20, and then I want to back up a little bit. In verse 20, he says, yes, each of you should remain as you were when God called you. If you're a slave, don't let that worry you. But if you get a chance to be free, take it. Now, why would Paul appear in that verse to almost affirm slavery? What is going on here? Well, let's back up to verse 17. Watch what he says. Each one of you should continue to live in whatever situation the Lord has placed you in and remain as you were when God first called you. This is my rule for all the churches. For instance, a man who was circumcised before he became a believer should not try to reverse it. The man who was uncircumcised when he became a believer should not be circumcised now. For it makes no difference whether or not a man has been circumcised. The important thing is to keep God's commandments. And then he says, yes, each of you should remain as you were when God called you. Are you a slave? Don't worry about it. But if you get a chance to be free, take it. So context is king. You remember we've talked about before. Let me just say it again. When you're trying to understand Scripture, reading it in its broader context is the best way to get a clear understanding. So the context here, what Paul is saying is, when you give your life to Jesus, you don't have to run around changing all of this stuff about yourself in order to be accepted by God. In other words, if you come to Christ and you're not circumcised, you don't have to go get circumcised so that God will accept you in the very same way. If you come to Christ, but you're a slave, you don't have to worry about that. Your social standing does not determine your standing with God. This verse is not supporting or protecting the institution of slavery. Paul is just saying your slavery doesn't keep you from Jesus. And if you were to improve your social standing, it's not going to get you any closer to Jesus. That's not the issue. We get close to Jesus because of what Jesus did for us on the cross. So the Bible is very clear from cover to cover. Slavery in any form is evil. It is an abomination. I cannot be clear. Slavery is never okay. And you know why this is important to talk about? Is because today there are more slaves than any other time in world history. In America, we've dealt with slavery in America, and I'm glad we have. But there are more than 40 million slaves in the world today, and slavery is never okay. Listen to what Jesus said. Jesus said the greatest commandment is to love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. So as I'm loving God, guess what? I become like him. That's our mission. Be with Jesus, become like Jesus, and then do what Jesus did. So as I'm falling in love with Jesus, as I'm cultivating my relationship, my love relationship with God, I'm becoming more like him. And Jesus is all about freedom. Remember what he said in Luke chapter four? He said, I came to set captives free. So as we are with Jesus and become like Jesus, what's important to Jesus becomes important to us. 
So because we're followers of Christ, we stand up for freedom and the prosperity of all people. And we use the resources that we have. In America, we're a republic. The power rests in the hands of the people. So we have the opportunity to vote. We have the opportunity to leverage our financial resources, our voice for the freedom, the blessing, the prosperity of all people. Then Jesus says the second greatest commandment is like the first, love your neighbor as yourself. Well, that one verse alone, which Jesus says is the second most important commandment, eliminates any possibility that God is in favor of slavery. You cannot love someone that you have enslaved. Love always produces freedom. It's interesting that these two ideas are in the same chapter because the truth is sexual immorality leads to bondage. Love leads to freedom. So in my marriage, I'm not using my power, my position, or sex to control, to manipulate, to dominate my wife. That's the opposite of love. I want to love her, which means I'm setting her free. And the truth is, as I set her free, as I empower her, as I live to bless her, guess what? Our sex life gets better and better. See, Jesus came to set us free. What did Satan do? Satan came to steal, kill, and destroy. And he tries to do that through sex, sexual immorality. And he tries to do that through slavery and power and an abuse of power. So this passage teaches us, man, let's love each other. And we love each other in the context of marriage. Sex kind of takes care of itself. And we love each other, culturally speaking, then that destroys the institution of slavery. Listen, the most powerful thing in the world is our love for each other. Let me pray for you. Father, thank you so much for this passage. And God, just to be encouraged and reminded again to love one another, that loving each other is the key to a great sex life in marriage. Loving each other is the key to everyone living in freedom and prospering. And God, that's our prayer for every person. Lord, we pray that you would work in this world to break through the powers that be. God, that every person would have the freedom that we have enjoyed around the world. Lord, I pray that you would give us a passion for everyone's freedom, not just freedom from slavery, but anything that would control them, that they'd have the power to make wise decisions that lead to their prosperity. God, help us to lead people into that kind of life of freedom and strength and power and glory. That's what you came to offer us. We love you, and we ask this prayer in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, thanks for being with me again. Remember, before I begin my day, God has something to say. We'll see you again tomorrow.